Music Race is back again on June 2nd to 5th, all across East Vancouver. Music Race and Arts Race are presenting independent arts and cultural makers. Featuring Skyoti, SC, Stream Team, Stray Honor, Gun Control, Ace Red Twins, Soloki, Supermoon, Stefana Batilla, Late Spring, Morning Coop, Kiwi Ugly, Data Plan, and more. Check out Music Race on Facebook or head over to musicrace.ca for all the information. Welcome to the real world on CITR 101.9. I'm Dama. And I'm Sora. And we're broadcasting live from unceded Musqueam territory here on the UBC campus in Vancouver, BC. The Real World is the UBC Film Society's radio show where we try to connect with other clubs and campus organizations through film. And this is our last show of the summer. So I'm going to be going back to Brazil and Dora is in Toronto, so she has no one to call her in. So that today is going to be our last show until the next term starts. So we have a very special uh, show planned today. Instead of focusing on directors, as we've been doing this past month, I guess, we decided to make the topic classics, but not classics like, oh, old movies. Classics in the sense of like stuff that people are constantly telling you to watch, but you just haven't watched yet. So we kind of use this show as an excuse to make ourselves watch movies that we wouldn't watch otherwise. So we just picked a few movies that we haven't seen yet and that people are always telling us like, oh my God, how have you not seen this movie? And then we watched it and now we're going to talk about it. So... 
Dora, do you want to start off with uh, one of the movies that you watched? Possibly. I think we may have lost Dora. So I'm going to call her back. <laughs> and while we do that, just uh, listen again to Jan Lisiecki playing Chopin's 12 Etudes. I hope you enjoyed those few seconds of Jan Lisiecki again. He's a Canadian classical uh, artist guy. And yeah, I actually chose this because, you know, classic, something in classical music. But also, spoiler, I watched a lot of movies with classical music in it. So that's the theme going on here. But uh, just... Very topical. Yeah, thank you. Picking up where we left off. Dora, do you want to talk about one of the films that you watched? And then we can go like 1-1. One, one? I would love to. So the first movie that I watched was actually like kind of outside of like when we planned to do this. I was like, oh, let's watch it. Was Goodwill Hunting, which I'd never seen before, and I watched it because I was like having lunch with a friend and like mentioned it. And I was like, oh, I've never seen it. She was like, oh my god, you've never seen Goodwill Hunting? Like, what the heck? <laughs> so I did it, and that was like inspiration for this week's theme, I guess. Mm, nice. Um, and for listeners who don't know, Goodwill Hunting is Matt Damon and Ben Affleck's, like, baby project, they wrote it together, and they both starred in it, and um, Robin Williams is in it, he's Will's therapist, and there's a, no, not therapist, and Will is, like, a genius, and he's, like, he's from Southie, which is a poor neighborhood in Boston, but he, like, works at MIT as, like, a janitor, and he does all this crazy math stuff, and he's super, super smart, and he becomes, he's, like, discovered by this professor, um, and he, like, gets all these jobs, and it's really, really, like, I don't know, he's really talented at stuff. Um, and he might, he almost throws it all away, but then... No spoilers! And then it's, oh, <laughs> and it's great. And it's, it's just, like, a sweet movie. Um, and, yeah, it's a, it's a classic. No, yeah, I, I've watched Good Will Hunting before, and it was actually one of those films like, how have you not watched this? But yeah. my friend Sebastian, who has been on the show before, loves this film, and he was like, you need to watch it. So we watched it together, and I was like, wow, this is exactly like the kind of movie that he would like. So it all makes sense. <laughs> so Sebastian. Yeah. Classic Sebastian. Indeed. I think oh. uh, an amazing thing about this film is like, 
Robin Williams' acting is just so good. Like, I really like him, but, and he's normally a really, like, good actor. But, like, I felt like this one was just such a good part for him to play. Uh, this whole, like, yeah, totally. eccentric, but also kind of brooding in a way, like, dude, uh, therapist guy. It's just... Uh, a really good performance on Robin Williams's part and I actually watched this like after he died so I was like oh my goodness it just struck a chord oh Robin yeah I think it's interesting because it's like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon it's like them like kind of creating their like social cultural identity like before there was like literally anything and they just like did it and this is who they chose to create like the smart like poor kid who's actually like a genius and like just, like, a really cool success story. And, like, it's, like, kind of classic, but also, like, I don't know. I like how they adapted it for, like, their, like what they knew and, like, made it relatable and accessible. Mm-hmm. I also really appreciate that Ben Affleck, like, didn't try and get, like, a super main role. Ben Affleck yeah, was, like, same. his friend, right? And Like, he wasn't, like, I'll be the therapist. He was, like, I'll just be the dude. Yeah, but, like, the dude is... He plays a really important part in a really subtle way, which I think was, like, very... It was a very well-written role. Uh, so I really appreciate Ooh. that on Ben Affleck's part. I, like, personally don't like Ben Affleck very much at all. So this is something that, for me, was like, yeah, you know what? Respect. Cool. Yeah. What did you watch? Okay, so I watched uh, Doctor Strange Love by Stanley Kubrick. I almost watched What? Well, it's fate then that I did. Doctor Strangelove just needs to be talked really? about in this show. So, fun fact before I even say this, uh, before I even start talking about it, I guess. Uh, back to Sebastian, my friend. He actually watched this a while ago and he told me I had to watch it. And I've been meaning to watch it. And he told me that when he watched it, he thought that it was called Doctor Strange Glove. Because the actual character that is Dr. Strangelove in the film just wears this one glove and he's constantly like fighting against the hand that has a glove. So that's a fun thing that I laughed about a lot when I found out. But yeah, Dr. Strangelove is about uh, basically what would happen if the Russians let off. No, well, I guess if the US threatened an actual nuclear attack. Um, and it's just this one crazy general, I don't know if he's a general or some sort of army dude, that decides, he just goes crazy and he thinks that the communists, this is during, like, um, the Cold War, he thinks that the communists are trying to poison their water, which he calls precious bodily fluids, and he just, like, sends out his troops, I guess, his bomber wing, to just destroy all of his targets in the USSR. And this is a problem because he didn't get any permission from anyone ever. And, okay, at first I had, like, issues with this because I was just watching and the first few minutes are all, like, in the bomber wing and then with the general. And I was like, oh, it's another war movie. Like, I wasn't really into it at first. But as soon as it cuts into the war room, we have, like, the president and all the other generals and whatever the higher ranks of the army are. And... It's hilarious. That's the thing. Like, they get this really serious situation. Like, the Cold War was a big deal. And, I don't know, Kubrick just makes this kind of satire about it. 
uh, I think my favorite moment in this is when the president of the United States calls up the president of Russia to explain the situation. And he's like, well, we may have accidentally sent like bomber wings to nuclear bomb your country. Sorry about that. And then I think the Russian president is drunk on the other side of the line. So they're just like talking and it's this ridiculous conversation about something really serious, but none of them seem to be taking it seriously. So it's just like a genuinely hilarious movie. There's so many parts of it that are just so funny in such a messed up way. Like it shouldn't be funny to talk about nuclear bombs and killing this way, but it oh, is. Yeah. It really is. So I was really just like pleasantly surprised because at first I expected something really good, but then the movie started and I was like, "Ugh, it's just another war <laughs> movie," which I shouldn't have just uh I guess shrugged off so quickly because it is Stanley Kubrick, but it was a thing, and now it's not anymore yeah. because I loved it. And cool, yeah, it's, I guess I'll have to watch it now. Yeah, you really should. It's so funny. One thing, like I think it's so interesting that it's called Doctor Strangelove because the actual character of Doctor Strangelove is barely important until the very end. Like he's just this doesn't weird. It, hmm? Doesn't it have like a crazy long title? Yeah, it's Doctor Strange Love or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Cool. So yeah, it's <laughs> it has like <laughs> alternate titles, which is awesome. But yeah, the actual character, he's just this weird doctor guy that no one knows like what's what he's actually doing in the war room. And he's just like in his wheelchair and playing with his hand, and it's just such a strange thing. Uh but it's such a good movie. And I just, like, it's hilarious. If you want to watch something funny and in black and white, like, go for it. I felt really smart because I was watching a black and white movie. So that was a fun thing. Um, totally. That sounds fun. Um, <laughs> I guess, like, back to me. Yeah. Um, I also watched The Godfathers. You um, had not the watched time. The Godfather? I'd, like, seen snippets of the first one, but then I was, like, I sat down and I, like, committed to them. Mm -hmm. Um... And I thought they were really cool. Okay, because I like I was I've been thinking about like why like why are these movies classics? Um, like what makes them like so like you have to watch it, you have to watch it. And my conclusion, because I was thinking about like other stuff um, that I thought was like in this category, and I was like, oh, like E.T., Jurassic Park, like um, like Shawshank Redemption, like all these like like, classic movies, I guess, um, and what I, like, the common theme that I kind of came up with was they're all, like, kind of happy ending movies, okay. like, they're all kind of, like, feel good, like, you watch them, and you're, like, and, like, very cathartic, like, a lot of closure, but mm -hmm. then also, like, watching The Godfather, like, why is this included, because it's not, like, a happy ending, although, like, it is, like, there is, like, the arc, and, like, everything's kind of, like, done, um, and I, I think that was, like, one of the first, like, unhappy, happy ending movies, mm -hmm. if that makes sense, and, like, it was so big budget, it was such a huge production, it was such a well-written screenplay, it was so, like, gorgeous, the acting was so amazing, and, like, I feel like to make it, like, almost, like, a legitimate film, and, like, it's so, like, to, to be taken so seriously, like, it had to have, it had this theme of ending that, like, I feel like is in, like, to be taken seriously, like, movies have to have this ending right now, um, at least, like, currently, um, because, like, 
I've been wa- I was watching all those movies and the happy ending felt like so contrived and like silly and I was like but like what um, and I realized I've been like conditioned to be like oh like that's just like a fluff movie if like the guy gets with a girl you know yeah yeah okay um, I can see that but um so yeah and I was talking to my sister about it and she was like but that's like kind of like how like art in general is kind of moving because it used to be like technique like it was like how big the production was and like how good the acting was kind of like was what made the movie stand out but now it's kind of like focusing on like the minutia and like the character development and all like the little things that like make it almost like human and like that's where it's really like kicking in and like that's what makes it like a great um which is like new um so yeah that's like my two cents on the godfather but also the godfather is just like about it's like for those who don't know (laughs) it's um like this mob story where and it's like it's just like the mobs it's like the classic mob yeah basically i'm trying to like figure out if there were a lot of mob movies before this because i feel like it's a pretty standard mob movie uh i think well okay yeah it came out in 1972 it came out in 1972 and there are some movies like the untouchables came out i feel like in like 1943 or something like there was like because it was when it was happening there was a pretty big production, like, industry. So I feel like there are definitely, like, it was playing off stuff. Like, it definitely, it, like, created a foundation for, like, what a mob movie was. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it was the first of its kind. Okay. Uh, but, like, to be fair, that was 30 years after The Untouchables, I guess? Yeah. So I think it's it's, like, legit enough to say that... Um, not only because of the story and the actual like beauty of the film, uh, but it wasn't a thing that was being done too much at the time. Seeing how like yeah, the last totally, big and also like thinking about like what a classic is, and like thinking of like ET, Jurassic Park, like it was kind of like stuff that like also hadn't really been done before. Like I feel like Shawshank Redemption is like one of the first like big like within the prison movies yeah. and I think that The Godfather was the first like Untouchables was also like still like from the police's point of view mm-hmm. like it was the first like within the mob like and like you care about like the bad guys almost yeah. and like I feel like innovation and like just like newness is what really makes a classic a classic mm-hmm. which is like pretty oxymoronic if you think about it. No, yeah, I think, like, your evaluation of a classic is, like, really interesting, because particularly with The Godfather, I feel like the big thing, I don't think I would have liked the film that much if it hadn't been for the, like, evolution of the main character. Like, there's so much development. This guy starts off as um, a guy that's in the family of the mob, but he's really trying to stay away from anything. He, like, doesn't want to be a part of the underworld. He's, like, he has a girlfriend. He's going to do good things in his life. But he just gets pulled into this world, and eventually he, like, becomes everything he doesn't want to become. So I think, like, uh, the human aspect that you were talking about really has become such, like, a great thing. Because I'm sure that not every movie made in the 70s or the 40s it was a movie that was considered good. And if it had a fluff ending, maybe that wasn't a thing that people liked at the time. But now we're, like, so used to these new movies only being considered good if they have 
if they have like bad endings that when they have some sort of like good-ish ending we're like oh but what makes it a classic and then we find this whole human aspect and how you can dissect the characters so like yeah i think this is one of the films that is older but really does focus a lot on these uh the character development and how just one event or a series of events can like turn a person's life around and not always in a great way so that is a very interesting thing thank you (laughs) yeah so the second film i watched was the pianist uh the polanski movie yeah i also almost watched that one oh my god you should have okay so the pianist i like didn't mean to watch it was kind of an accident so when you actually proposed this classics thing i'm like well this makes sense now because i watched it like a day before that's why i loved this i was like finally an excuse to just like sit down and do it yeah exactly so i was just like chilling with my roommate and he's like do you want to watch the pianist and it was late and i was like i don't want to watch the pianist it's gonna make me cry i don't want to be sad right now but he's like no we have to watch it but you can't make me watch this movie but also i really want to get along with my roommate so i was like yes let's do it so i started watching it and basically for those who don't know the pianist is the like true story of this uh, pianist called uh, Vladislav Spielmann, yeah? And he just like... Oh, I have no idea. Yeah, (laughs) he was this Polish pianist on a radio, and he was Jewish, and he just like writes about his experience in World War II, like being moved to the Warsaw ghetto, but like he doesn't actually go to the concentration camps. He like gets separated from his family because like he knows a guy that knows a guy that somehow like pulls him out during the operation that uh, all the Jews are being moved to the concentration camps. And like he didn't want to be separated from his family, but he is. So it's like this kind of struggle because the dude suddenly got saved essentially. But he didn't he didn't mean to be saved. So now he's all alone and surviving in the Warsaw Ghetto in like these different places. And he's constantly like very narrowly escaping death. And yeah, one thing like Adrian Brody uh, is the guy that plays uh, Vladislav. And oh, my God, this is such a good performance. Like in general, Brody is just a really good actor. And I don't know, I've seen him in uh, Darjeeling. Limited? Unlimited? Oh my god. Yeah, Darjeeling Limited. This is so embarrassing. We talked about it the no. other day. <laughs> oh well. But yeah, like, I just think he's just such a good actor. And yeah, I was blown away. That was the first time in Darjeeling Limited, that was the first time I'd seen him in anything. And I was like, whoa, so good. Yeah, yeah. I'm so good. I'd seen him in other things, but the only time, like, lately is the time that I've actually been like considering his acting because I've, I've seen him in other things but I just hadn't thought about it before and okay so things that I love about this movie because I really really loved it <laughs> I really did not expect to like it because I'm just kind of done with holocaust movies it's just like there's so many of them done I feel like there's nothing new that you can do and this came out in like 2002 so so many had already been done but yeah uh number one like true story already makes it like interesting because you're like wow this is like a real person that you have to work off of so like there's so much depth to the character that you can explore and that could really be seen in Brody's acting like this character 
is constantly struggling between wanting to survive and wanting to go back to his family but like he can't force himself to go into a concentration camp because he knows what happens in concentration camps uh but he's also an artist so like he he lives for his music but he can't perform because he's hiding from nazis and stuff so there's a lot of shots of him like pretending to play the piano because at some point he's uh hiding out in this abandoned house that has a piano and you think he's gonna give himself away he's like oh my god don't please don't play that piano but then the music starts playing and we realize that he's not actually playing the piano he's just like glancing over the keys and just playing in his head which is such a beautiful scene yeah and just in general this movie like i don't know i hadn't i hadn't seen a polanski film like thinking about it as a Polanski film, like he's such a well-known director and I had never really just thought about watching a movie of his, which like, by the way, Darjeeling Unlimited is also written by Polanski. So I think the oh, Adrian I didn't Brody, know that. yeah, yeah, the Brody Polanski thing that's going on is just such a cool like coupling. I think he really likes his director and you can tell oh. because there's so much passion put into this performance. But yeah, in terms of uh, cinematography and just the way that he creates this World War II environment without actually going into the concentration camps, I think that is like the key. He he makes this really touching uh, war story without actually focusing on the stereotype of, oh, let's follow this Jew into the concentration camp. It's this guy that's like hiding in the ghetto. You see the escalation of like pre-war just like racism or like bad stuff happening to jews and how it slowly escalates into like this actual persecution and like i think one of the best things about this film is how matter-of-factly and like normally it portrays this like terrible thing that was happening so there's quite a few shots of adrian brody just like walking through the streets of warsaw and then you just suddenly see like a dead body thrown on the ground and he just casually glances off like oh steps over the body like just another just another thing that's going on uh just everything is portrayed so neutrally like it doesn't have this over over dramaticism of a thing that really should be like dramatized i guess like a dead body on the street is a is a very sad thing it's a horrible thing to witness but he just puts it like yeah that's how it was back then like people didn't care it was just happening so i think the uh, it brings this like such a reality to this genre of world war ii movies it's just i don't know it really touched me because it wasn't it it isn't made to make you cry it's not like a movie that's trying to make people sad it's just trying to show how things were and it's like it's almost more terrible because of that because it's like it's not trying to make you sad but the fact that you don't need to try in order to make this like a bad thing to talk about um like really makes it a lot more powerful in my opinion like not trying to make it a tearjerker but showing everything like so coldly uh really made it like a fantastic watch for me so yeah that that's like my two cents on, on and that's also, like, that's a pretty important, like, way to actually show it, like, to just have it so matter-of-fact that, like, this is how it was, and, like, yes, it's sad, and, like, yes, it's devastating, but, like, it's important to see it, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, like, the way that he works with this, like, 
dehumanization of everything that was happening. It's just like, yeah, just dead bodies. Yeah, he's just, you know, stuck in the ghetto, like, living under a couch. Like, what? How is this a thing that we're not having really sad music behind? Like, it's just portrayed. It's just there. You know, it's just a thing that's happening. And you're just observing this guy, like, crumbling over having to survive without his family. And... Yeah, it has some really interesting character relations, like, between, like, Jew-to-Jew relations, because uh, it shows, this is one of the first films that I've seen about the Holocaust actually showing, like, the Jewish police that was, like, happening in the in the ghettos. So, like, Jews were helping persecute Jews, which is like, what? How was this happening? Um, so I thought, like, just all of the relationships in this film are so interestingly portrayed. And it's just a beautiful film in general but we are running out of time so yeah unfortunately this is gonna be the last time you hear from us for a little while we'll definitely be back next term so september thank you so much listeners for tuning in ever yeah (laughs) if you ever tuned in we are so grateful and it was appreciated yeah very very appreciated we're just glad to have been able to entertain you And, yeah, hopefully we will see you back in September, and we really hope that any of our shows have prompted you to watch these films, because they're all really beautiful, regardless of how we may, like, not do them justice in our very amateurish commentary. (laughs) But, yeah. Well, it was... Thank you, Dama. You were great. (laughs) Thank you, Dora, for always answering my phone calls. You're welcome. So yeah, are you ready for for life? Oh yeah. Okay, so shout out Shout out to Catherine Catherine Hepburn. Hepburn. We'll get it. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.